could run across the ocean Now I was gonna be an astronaut But it was you and it was me I had everything I needed Faith could even move a mountaintop And then I grew up And then I got older And my life got tough And we grew apart Just happy that they live next door uh, It was you, it was me I had everything I needed Your hands were big enough to hold the world And then I grew up And then I got older And my life got tough And we grew to share just a couple of things with you before we go into our lesson this morning. We've been talking about uh, loving out loud. And uh, what I'd like to uh, share with you is that we will be taking an offering at the end of this service. Now, 
if you're not familiar with us, in the last 36 years, we've probably only taken about 50 offerings, okay, in 36 years. So most folks make their contributions, they pay their tithes in the boxes there, and then we'll have something special coming up that we, you know, pass a bucket. I'm not sure we'll continue doing that. And then we'll have an offering next week as well. It's unusual. That's why I'm telling you about that. But uh, this weekend, uh, Eric Kastner, who's a part of our congregation, he's down in California, and he went down there and received a tremendous uh, help in his own life to the Dream Center. They have tremendous success with all kinds of uh, hurts and habits and hang-ups and addictions and things like that. And they, they own a hospital, a massive hospital in California up on the top of a, a little hill there that you can see from every direction. And they just reach out to thousands of people. But he's going to be running a marathon. We, we supported him last year as well. And they're raising money to uh, stop sex trafficking. Little girls, you know, they're actually prisoners. And uh, right now in our administration, they're making a big to-do out of it. They're bringing about awareness of this, this uh, huge, huge plague upon our, our nation. But he's going to be running a marathon to bring awareness to human trafficking, sex trafficking. I mean, of girls starting at nine years old, and they're trafficked all over our, our state. And uh, so he's running this marathon to raise awareness and to raise funds. So if you would like to contribute to that, and there is absolutely no pressure to do so whatsoever. If you want to be a part, you know, make an investment in stopping that, we have already been supporting for years people who are involved in stopping sex trafficking and trying to figure out the most effective way that we can do that right here. So we'll be taking an offering at the end and uh, say Eric uh, Kastner is representing us down there. So if you'd like to support that. The next week, you know, uh, uh, last weekend, uh, there was a landslide in the garbage dump in Cora, Ethiopia. And that's where we have a church, and we have our outreach. Remember, over 300 and some odd kids get to eat every day, and they're a part of our church. Of They used to live in the garbage dump. They used to get their food from the garbage dump, but we sponsor them. They hear the gospel every day. Well, during this landslide, four of our children died there this past week, okay? And, uh, and we've actually bring in more kids than we can actually financially afford, to, to, to be honest with you. It's hard to turn a kid away who's hungry. You know what I'm saying? But there was 113 people died, only four of our children there, and our church, Faith Living Church International, right there at the dump, massive mountains of stuff. Uh, they're there. They're helping people. Their church is the one who's digging through the mountains of garbage, trying to rescue and, and then, uh, you know, recover people who didn't survive that terrible uh, thing. It was on the news. Most of you have seen opportunity. But we've already been help, helping them, you know, and enabling them to be right on that location with food and caring. And Pastor Toddick, who is there representing us, he's doing lots of funerals and able to share the gospel with people who are without hope, you know. So there again... Uh, there's another tremendous need that there is. And this is not anybody else's organization. This is the little Faith Living Church. Started the church over there. Started the outreach over there. It's you. 
It's you. They're an extension of God's hands that has reached through us to make a difference in, in Ethiopia there. Uh, so, uh, and how appropriate it is as where our whole theme started, what, two weeks ago, today will be the third, talking about loving out loud. Now, some people I know, they go, Pastor Ron, don't you think talking about love, this is the third week in a row. Don't you think we're big boys and girls? We kind of got it by now, you know? Right? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. We ain't really all got it right now because when Jesus had been asked, he said, what's the most important command in the Bible? And Jesus said, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And the second is equally as important, and that's to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So there's so much misunderstanding about love. You hear the word love dozens of times every day. In every movie, in every form of media, you hear love, 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 love. But quite often, it's not love people are talking about. There's a tremendous misunderstanding of what love really is. So anyhow, let me uh, read you a passage here. It's found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, and it says... Dear friends, if a Christian is overcome by some sin. Now, this is somebody who probably should know better. Somebody who is a mature Christian. Being a mature Christian, does that make you perfect? No, it does not. We all still need the grace of Almighty God. But it says, dear friends, if a Christian is overcome by some sin, you know, they miss the mark. You who are Godly. The word godly means godlike. It means like Christ-like. That's what the word Christian really means. Christ-like. So he says, dear friends, if a Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should, what's that word? Gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Did you understand that word gently? Do we tend, if, if we catch somebody who should know better in some kind of sin, do we, is our tendency to be gentle? Or to be judgmental or critical or put it in the newspaper, embarrass them, humiliate them, you know? That's pretty much the world we live in, you know? And if you dig deep enough, you'll probably find something on anybody on the planet, you know, if, if you're just wanting to try to hurt somebody and, and things like that. But what do you say here? Gently. Now when it comes to you, would you like people being gentle with you? About four of you. I'm going to talk to the rest of you guys as dentists and say, don't be gentle with them next time. I got a couple extra drills and sledgehammer and chisels if you need, you know. They don't care if you're gentle or not. Right? How come you look so scared when I say that? Well, it says, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Help them because you understand what it is to be a human. And you've made a mistake before. Is that correct? And it says, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Love them out loud. 
That's what we're talking about. It goes on to say, share each other's troubles. Share them. Each other's troubles and problems. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. Share people's troubles because you love them. Share people's problems because you love them. And you fulfill the law of Christ. It says, a very uh, familiar passage, probably to everybody here, is in Luke 6.31. It says, do for others as you like them to do for you. Now, think of it for a moment. If, if uh, you sat and you really chewed over it, it's like, I know what I'd want them to do for me if I was in a situation or if I, if I was a little bit behind my rent or if I didn't have a little bit of groceries or I had a situation. Going, I know what I'd want other people to do. I'd, I'd like them to help me graciously in such a way that I wasn't embarrassed or humiliated, Right? So if you think about people who's got needs and you go, how would I want somebody to help me if I was in that situation? Because it says, do for others as you like them to do for you. Now, that's a nice little verse and it'd be nice to have a little plaque put on your wall or something or another. But it was designed to chew on and to meditate on and then to apply. You think about it and go like, well, if I was a little bit late on my house payment. I want somebody to help me. So if I know somebody who's a little bit late on their house payment, oh, that, that could be expensive. See, this goes meddling with us, does it not? Do for others as you'd like them to do for you. And you'll never outgive God. Do I have somebody up there who can raise this screen? Now, we put this screen in the first year we were here. I mean, not the screen. We put this cross in the first year we were here. And it is an old, you know, just rugged piece of wood that we put up there. I actually helped it on ladders and get a hook on the back and, and all of that. And so people have said, I can't believe, Pastor, why you hide your cross? Like, you're ashamed of it. It's like, duh. I ain't seen no cross. But we came to the conclusion when people would come to church and they were not familiar with the Bible, and we'd give them one, but it's like, what do you do with it? You know? So instead of embarrassing them, when I would turn to scriptures, we decided we would project it on the screen. And the screen allowed people to feel comfortable to hear God's word and see God's word. So we didn't hide the cross. You know, for any reason other than we, we want people to see the scriptures. Does that make sense so far? Okay. What's this piece called on the cross? What direction is it? Vertical. 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 Remember, when you see a cross, that vertical piece is telling us to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And what direction is this? Horizontal. And that means love my neighbor as myself. So, the, the, the greatest command, which is two wrapped into one, you're reminded of it every time you look at that cross, is to love God with all my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength, and then love my neighbor as myself. That's what that's reminding us of, and to love out loud. To love people, love God and love people 
out loud. Okay, you can pull that back down now. Thank you. Um, a woman with a little girl at her side, she showed by having a cast on her arm and the scars on her face that she had been in the, the hospital recently. And she said to a friend, she said, I was in the hospital because of a very serious fire. There were burns over two-thirds of my body. And then she went on to say, my husband walked into the hospital room and he took one look at me and he said, you're not the woman I married. And he left her to marry someone younger and more beautiful. Now I'm going to tell you what he had for her was not love. He had lust. He was infatuated, maybe, you know, but it was all selfish driven. That's not the love that we're talking about. It's not the, the love that Almighty God gives us, you know. Human love says, as long as you stimulate me, as long as I can be proud of you, you know, as long as you're beautiful, I can love you. If you change, you know, my love for you changes. That ain't love. It's anything, but it ain't love. It's many things, but it's not love. It really is not, see. And the Bible tells us to love God with all of that we are and then to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. He's not loving her the way he loves himself, is he? Not at all. That's just selfish. Well, listen to what Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, it says, for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. Never. That's what he tells us. Jeremiah goes on to say in 31, verse 3, it says, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, that's his people, I have loved you, my people, and we're his people, with an everlasting love. Not a temporary love, but an everlasting love. With unfailing love have I drawn you to myself. See, now that's an unselfish love. Jesus came to this earth because of an unselfish love, because he loved us, he wants to help us, and he will never, ever turn his back on you. You may turn your back on him, but he will never turn his back on you. Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, it says, and this, this whole passage here is referring to the end times, in which I believe we're in right now, but it says in Matthew 24, 12, it says, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow. Oh, the love of many will grow. Oh, I'll go cold. Oh, let me see if I got something here in my little bag. <laughs> I got another bag. This is out of my fireplace. Oh, don't get too close. I want you to burn yourself. It's grown cold. There's no warmth at all there. There's no light. There's nothing like it was the other day when we had a fire in our fireplace. It was warm. It drew you in. It was so comforting. But it grew cold. And the Bible says in the last days, 
the love of many. It says the love of many. Sin will be rampant. Sin is just selfishness, you know. Will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Does this describe you? Has your love for God and for people grown cold? There, there's not even a spark left there. Think about that. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 4, Jesus says, and he's talking to the church, the body of Christ on this earth. He says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. It means that at one time, you know, you were very conscious and aware of Jesus loves me and, and I love you and, and you, you love other people the way he challenged us too. But he says here, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Now, I don't know if you're old enough to, to know this little piece of a song. It goes something like this. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. And that's the truth. You know, if we don't see it enough amongst people. We see a lot of stuff that people call love, but it's, it's based upon, oh, I love you because how you make me feel. I love you because walking down the street, you people think I'm cool. Or I love you, but that's not love. That, that's powered by selfishness, but it ain't real love. It's not the real deal. That's what I'm telling you. Does anyone here play tennis? What does love mean in tennis? Excuse me? It means nothing. Zero. What does love mean in real life? Everything. And see, people, they go, oh, well, love. I love to whatever your score might be, you know. They're saying zero, nothing. And a lot of people misunderstand love in this day and time. When they say, I, I love you, they're saying, I lust for you, you know. I, I you know, it's cool being with you because what I get out of it. But that's not love. The love that Almighty God brings into this world is unselfish. That's what real love is all about. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Now, not before, but now you can have sincere love. No hypocrisy. Not saying one thing and meaning another. He says, Now you can have sincere love for each other as brothers and sisters. Because you were cleansed from your sins when you accepted the truth of the good news. So see to it that you really do love each other intensely. Now, since you have received the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of God, you have a relationship with him. See, once he has changed you and forgiven you and you've been pardoned, now you have the capacity to love other people, but not before. You really couldn't love people unselfishly before you received his genuine love and forgiveness your own self. Because all you had to operate on was the natural. But see, now once you know the love of God to you, when other people are going before, well, I can't love them, I can't, I can't. And you're speaking right, naturally. 
But once you know the love of God and you've been forgiven and he changes your heart, even though you've been hurt tremendously, you can still love somebody else. You really can. That's what he's talking about here. And it says, so see to it that you really do love each other intensely. I mean, and, and we're talking about, you know, unselfishly. We're talking about loving other people out loud. But this intensely is talking about to love each other powerfully. You know, a, a supreme effort with, with every muscle strained we're talking about here. You know, to love deeply. It says, so see to it, since you have been loved by God and forgiven, see to it that you really do love each other intensely with all your hearts. This kind of love can only come from a changed heart. If your heart hasn't been changed by God, you really don't have the capacity to love. Not unselfishly, you know, because that kind of love is super natural. When everybody's else going, I just can't, I can't, I can't. And you're going, you know what, because of what Christ did for me, there's an overwhelming supply of love that's beyond me that has nothing to do with what I get out of it. I can, I can forgive you and I can love you because of what God has done for, for me, you see. Love feels no burden. Thinks nothing of trouble. Attempts what is above its strength. It pleads no excuse of impossibility. For love thinks all things possible and therefore is able to undertake all things. Where he who does not love would faint and lie down and give up. Love, see, it empowers us. It genuinely empowers us. You know, if you take a mama chicken who loves her little babies, I don't know why in the world they call him a chicken, because if you mess with her little bitty, she is everything but a chicken, you know. <laughs> I learned that as a little boy years ago, okay? Love puts the fun in together. Love puts sad in a part. Love puts hope in tomorrow, and love puts joy in the heart. He who knows he is loved can be content with a piece of bread while all the luxuries of the world cannot satisfy the craving of the lonely and unloved. It's, 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 it's the worst thing that a person can ever experience is to, to be lonely and unloved when God has so much love for pe people, men, women, boys, and girls, and he tries to love them through us. To love out loud, not Ashamed, not embarrassed, but to just love out loud the same way God loves us out loud. Re remember this. We, we like people because. I like Wendy's because they give me a Frosty. <laughs> and sometimes when no one's around, they give me two. I like them because. So we like people because. But we love people although. Is that not true? God, he loves us although we've sinned. God loves us although we've 
we've hurt him and we've missed the mark and we've not included him in our lives. Our creator, God loves us all though. And remember this, this is so important for us to remember. And let me explain it to you this way now. A lot of you didn't know me when I was younger. You know, up until just a very few years ago, I looked a whole lot like Charles Atlas. <laughs> or is it like this? Now, if Susan told me, my wife, if she said, I love you because you're strong like Charles Atlas. Well, then, just a very few years ago, a couple years ago, all my muscles went right here. <laughs> so if she says, I love you because, and then all of a sudden, all those went here, it's just like, well, well, she probably don't love me anymore. So it is not the right thing. You can tell your wife she's beautiful, but don't ever tell her, I love you because you're beautiful. What happens if for some tragedy happens and she has a scar or something happens and it affects her, then she deems in her own mind, he loves me because I'm so beautiful. I'm not so beautiful anymore. He probably doesn't love me anymore. Does that make sense? No, you can say you're beautiful, but don't attach the because. See, we like people because, <laughs> but we love people although. Although you hurt me and you let me down, you know, for the umpteenth time, I still love you because God still loves you. I love you because, no, no, nah. I love you, what? Although, because that's the way that God loves us. You know, the Bible talks about going the, the extra mile, and let me explain where that came from. Back during the Bible days, the, the Roman warriors were, traveling all the time. They were being deployed here and there and off, and they had to bring all their gear, which is very heavy, when they were being deployed somewhere, and they carried their stuff, and the, the law was if a Roman soldier came to you and said, hey, you, carry my bag. And you might have four or five people. I need all, y'all come. The law was you carried their gear for one mile. That was the law. And he could take out his sword and chop you into whatever if you didn't do it. Or you could go to jail. So the law was you had to carry a Roman soldier's gear for a mile. And Jesus says, you carry his gear, you know, for a mile. At the end of the mile, you set that stuff down and you tell him, I did that out of obligation. I did that out of duty because the law said I must. But now I'm going to carry it for another mile for you because Jesus loves you. That's loving out loud. It's like the guy goes like, Huh? Because that ain't natural. When someone forces you to do something and then you do more than they ask, that ain't natural. That's loving out loud. People are going like, I ain't never seen this before. I mean, your love is definitely not grown cold. It's grown hotter and it's grown stronger. So when the Bible talks about going the extra mile, it's you're going way beyond what you are forced to do because Jesus said to do it. Martin Luther King Jr., he said, I have decided, it's a decision, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is just too great of a burden to bear. Hate is heavy. It wears us out. So I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to love, because that's, that's just the easy way to do it. 
Second uh, Peter chapter one verse six says, "Knowing God," and and that's the most important thing that any of us can do in our whole life is get to know God in a real and a genuine way. And it says here, knowing God leads to self-control. Self-control leads to patient endurance. Patient endurance leads to godliness. Godliness leads to love for other Christians, you know, people who think a lot like you do. And then finally, you will grow not cold, but you will grow to have genuine. It's talking about authentic, indisputable, unadulterated love. And you will grow to have genuine love for everyone. Are you growing in your love for other people? Or has your love grown cold? Think about that for just a moment. Love must be learned. Again and again and again. There's no end to it. Hate needs no instructions, you know. We just wait to be provoked and even tiny children can learn to to pick up hate without instructions from anybody, you know. Hate just comes naturally. But to grow in your love is supernatural. And it's something we must learn and relearn. I'm in the first grade of loving out loud, and then I graduate to the second grade of loving out loud. And then we go to college, and then we go to graduate school of lessons of learning to to love, you know, the way God does, to love out loud. Oh, isn't he so cute? A visitor to a small zoo said, that's marvelous. That's marvelous. Having a lion and a monkey in the same cage? How do they get along? Okay, usually, answered the zookeeper. Occasionally, they have a disagreement. And we have to get a new monkey. (laughs) When they have a disagreement, they have to get another monkey. See, if we don't grow, you know, in our loving one another, we'll go back to our own natural old nature and we'll need to get some more monkeys. And the Bible actually says that it says, do not bite and devour one another. We often do that with our words. The Bible says life and death is in the power of your tongue. And we can really cut people down. We can speak death to them. Or we can speak life to them. So if we revert to our old ways, our old just natural ways like a lion would do, you know, well, we're going to need a whole bunch of monkeys because we're going to do a lot of damage to the people that surround us. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, Love is the greatest gift that you can give anybody. To be honest with you, there is nothing greater you can do than to love someone genuinely. But truth of it is, love is not really love until you give it away. Once you give, oh, wow, whoa, wow. You know, and that's why I'm talking about loving out loud. It's not just like, yeah, you got something that's kind of secret, that's just kind of private, that nobody knows about. No, no. God so loved the world that he 
gave his only son, Jesus. So he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I mean, because he died in our place. He paid for our sins in, in full. But it says here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it says, My beloved friends, let us continue. What, what was that word? It says, My beloved friends, let us... What was that word? Continue. My beloved friends, let us... What was that word again? We could do this all day. <laughs> My beloved, beloved friends, let us continue to love each other. Because if we don't love each other, we're going to need more monkeys. We're, we're going to bite and devour. If we're not loving, then we're hurting each other. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other. It's the greatest gift we can ever give to anybody. And it says, since love comes from God, everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refused to love doesn't know the first thing about God. Now, I'm not saying the person who refuses to lust or is infatuated or has a purely selfish motive, but the person who loves they have a relationship with God that, 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 because the Bible says God is love. The person who refused to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love, so you can't know him if you don't love. And if, if you're saying, well, I don't love him, you just don't know, it's like God does for us. He loves us all of love. And I do know when he's changed our heart and he's forgiven us and we got a relationship with us he gives us a supernatural ability to love others although although you've hurt me terribly I love you it, it don't mean I'm going to be your best buddy necessarily. it doesn't mean I'm going to put myself to be hurt by you but I can love although see sometimes we confuse the thing about like and, and we get it all confused it's like you know we like people because and then we stop liking them, you know, because. But we love people, although, although they hurt us, uh, and sometimes really deeply. So he goes on to say in verse 9, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 says, This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only Son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage that they've done to our relationship with God. Jesus came to clear away our sins and the damage that our sins did to our relationship with God. Jesus came to forgive it, to wash it away, to cleanse it, you see. What Christ did was to change our heart so we can love although now. It don't mean that you like what someone does. Does God like all the things that you do? No, he doesn't. But does he love you? He loves you in spite of. He loves you although. He genuinely does, and he gives us that capacity to do so as well. And remember, just like the uh, five loaves and the two fish that Jesus took, and he blessed them, and he broke it, and he handed it out. You know, love is that way. When, when you, you give love out, it multiplies. 
You know, when Jesus broke the five loaves of bread and the two, he blessed them and, and he broke them and they fed 5,000 men plus the women and the children. And they had, you know, 12 baskets of food left over. You know, and, and as we begin to love, God gives us more. Our love continues and continues to grow. Love ever gives, forgives, outlives, and ever stands with open hands. And while it lives, it gives. For this is love's prerogative, to give and give and give and give. That's love, what we're talking about. Luke chapter 10, verse 29, it says this. It says, and who is my neighbor? Verse 30, Jesus replied with an illustration. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and his money. They beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. They didn't care if he lived or died. Verse 31, by chance, a representative of the most well-known representative of God on the planet. By chance, a Jewish priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. See, for him to touch that wounded man, get blood on him and up and touch him, it would made him ceremonially unclean. And he couldn't go and do his thing down there at the temple because he would have been ceremonial unclean. He, he couldn't have did the rituals and followed their traditions, you know. But let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus touched the untouchable lepers who were considered untouchable because leprosy was highly contagious and it could separate you from, from your family and bring terrible destruction. But Jesus touched them on a regular basis. He touched them and he healed them why? Because he loved them. He loved people out loud. Jesus did. But here is this priest. Who he, went to, he acted like he didn't see him. Well, maybe nobody's around. Nobody will ever know, you know? He said like he didn't see him. Do you ever do that? You see somebody coming, and you know they're going to talk to you about something, and you're kind of going, all right, I'm going to get a phone call here in a minute. I better go. Or something, you know? Well, this guy, this priest... He insulated himself from other people. It says in verse 32, a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, the, the man who'd been beaten up, but he also passed by on the other side. Uh, now, in the South, this is a term we're familiar with, but have you ever heard the term up here, rubbernecking? You know, if you're driving down the interstate, there's a police car over there, maybe an ambulance, maybe a fire truck, a lot of commotion, and you're going down the road and you're going like, and if you're not careful, everybody else is doing that. And before you know it, you're going to boom, and you bump into the car in front of you, and they're over there rubbernecking you now. You know. Well, that's what's going on here. In verse 32, the temple assistant, he walked over, and he looked at him lying there, this guy who'd been beat up and robbed, but he also passed by on the other side. Uh, see, he rubbernecked. He was curious, but not curious enough to get involved. Just curious. And he went on. And then it says in verse 33, then a despised Samaritan came along. 
and, and the, the Samaritans were the most despised. They were the lowest of the lowest of the lowest classes looked at as a scum of the earth. And it was probably some of his relatives who beat up the guy and robbed him, you know, probably. And it says, and then a despised Samaritan came along. And, and the Jews never, ever use the word Samaritan and the word good in the same sentence, unless they were saying, good riddance, <laughs> you know. They never associated those two words together. We hear the parable of the good Samaritan. They never considered that, you know. It says, and then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt deep pity. Another translation of the Bible says he felt compassion. This word deep pity, this word compassion, it comes from the word that means intestines, bowels. You're like, that sounds kind of gross, you know. But it says this Samaritan who saw the guy there, he felt deep pity. He felt compassion. It's the equivalent to a gut feeling, something that's deep down on the inside, coming from the deepest part of, of who we are, uh, a, a deep, inseparable, inescapable compassion, you know, that insists on taking action. I see that, and I cannot help myself. I must help him. It comes from the core of who I am. That's compassion. I cannot walk by and do nothing. I can't, even if I try, I can't. There's something in me that just compels me. I've got to help him. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt deep pity. Something happened on the inside. It made it impossible to walk away like the priest in the temple assistant. He could not walk away. There was just something rising up. It's called compassion. It's, it's love from deep within. And then it says in verse 34, kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds and with medicine and bandaged him. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to the holiday inn. It don't say the name of the inn. I just assume it was probably a holiday inn. But he took him to an inn where he, he actually took care of him. He gave him intensive care as best as he knew how. Intensive care. I mean, you know, he has all my attention. I'm doing all that I can do for him. He, he rode on my donkey. I walked. Here I'm, I'm, I'm stopping the bleeding. I'm bandaging the guy up. I'm, I'm feeding him some hot chicken soup. Whatever it was, you know, he gave him intensive care. Verse 35, and it says, The next day he handed the innkeeper two pieces of silver, and he told him to take care of the man. And he said, If his bill runs higher than that, he said, Well, I'll pay you the difference the next time I, I'm here. And, and he knew him. He said, you know, I'm through here every once in a while. I'll square up with you. Just take care of him as best you can. I'll square up with you when I come through next go-round. This good Samaritan, he loved out loud. He loved out loud. I mean, he, there was actions along with what his, his words would have said. And he didn't help the man because the man deserved it. He helped the man because the man need, he helped him because the man needed it. 
Does anybody here deserve the forgiveness and the mercy of God? Not at all. But we need it, do we not? And God loves us because we need it, not because we deserve it. And we love each other because each other, we need it, not because we deserve it. Galatians chapter 5, it says in verse 13, it says, For you, dear friends, have been called to live in freedom, not freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, but freedom to serve one another. Not to serve each other out of duty or out of obligation, but he says, to serve one another in love. We serve because of the compassion that rises up from deep within. If you're just serving because, well, I got to do it. Somebody's going to see me going by this person and they're going to tell everybody I didn't help. It's an obligation. It's a duty. I've got to do my duty, my Christian duty. You might as well not even do it. When you love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, he just pours his love upon us and we can love our neighbors. Same way we love ourselves. If ourself is cold, we're going to put on a jacket. If my neighbor's cold, I'm going to get him a jacket. He says, that's what he's talking about here. You know, and he says right here, but freedom to serve one another in love. And verse 14 says, for the whole law, the whole law can be summed up, the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And this is our daily challenge. Is to love our neighbor as ourselves, and you fulfill the greatest law, loving God first and loving my neighbor as myself. You feel, fulfill the whole law of Christ, and you love them out loud. And you know, there, there's a tremendous power, unbelievable supernatural power in the consciousness of being loved. When you become conscious that you're loved, it changes things. There, there was this beautiful lady, and she was engaged to marry this, this uh, young gentleman, but as time progressed, she discovered he was giving himself more and more and more to alcohol, and he was, he was really hurting her, and, and things was getting really out of hand and, and all, and they were engaged, but as she saw the direction, he was spiraling, and, and she broke off the engagement. And then one day she happened to be walking down the, the sidewalk and there on the sidewalk lay this guy who she had formerly been engaged to. And he was intoxicated. He was unconscious. And that old stupid looking face was just getting sunburned, you know, as he was just out of his mind. And she reached in and she pulled out her handkerchief, lacy, perfumed, had her name monogrammed on the side and she gently laid it over his face to prevent the sunburn. And then she turned and she went away. Hour or two later, he woke up and he what's this? And he saw her name on the corner. He said, she still loves me. I'm going to change. And he did. When you are conscious that you are loved, it gives you the power to change. And when someone has fallen and made a mistake and sinned, when you love them, they can change. 
When they fall off of a boat, don't throw them an anchor. Throw them a life preserver. Love them out loud, you see. It changes things. It genuinely changes things. Well, our time is up. But I want to encourage you this week to, to put this into practice. Here's what we call our weekly challenge. And, and if you agree to this, you just check it off beside there and drop it in the tithe box. It just says, we like people because we love people although starting this week, I will learn to love people although. You can learn it if you want to. Some people don't want to. But if you're willing to say, I'm going to learn it this week and I'm going to just keep on applying it. Although hey, they don't deserve it, I love them, although. So uh, our ushers, if y'all would get ready, and if, only if you want to be a part of this offering that we're going to give to stopping this uh, human trafficking of these young girls. Some of them are as young as nine years old who are forced into prostitution by these pimps. But if you want to support Eric and his marathon as a raising awareness and raising money to stop human trafficking, our ushers are going to come forward up here in just a moment when y'all can. Don't pass anything out yet. Just come up here and, and wait for me. Because what I want to ask you right now to do, I want to ask you to give another way. I'm going to ask you to give your heart to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to surrender your life to Christ. So would you bow your heads with me? And if you're here today and you know Christ as your Savior, would you join with me as we pray just to reaffirm your relationship with Christ? And if you've never welcomed him into your life, would you join us as we pray and make this declaration for the very first time and receive him as your Savior and receive that love that he offers and that pardon that he offers. So would you join me? And we're going to pray out loud together right now. Would you join me as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son. You sent Jesus to rescue me. I believe he gave his life on a cross to wash my sins away. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. I open up that door and I receive Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. Dear Lord, help me to love out loud. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, guys, y'all come on up this way, if you would. And uh, if you would like to contribute to uh, stopping uh, this human trafficking, you know, if you can write a check out, Faith Living Church, all that we take up is going to go to stop that. It's going to the Dream Center down there, who Eric is going down there to run this marathon to raise awareness and to raise finances to stop human trafficking. So uh, you can pass that around. And uh, then as we dismiss in just a moment, you know, if, if you have a need, there'll be people around the altar up here who would love to pray with you. And I am telling you, God answers prayer. He does. And then as you're on your way out, if you prayed with me a few moments ago, uh, you can stop at the connections desk and, and say, I want the gift bag Pastor Owen's talking about. There's a Bible in there. 
and some other little goodies that will inspire and strengthen your faith. And if you're a guest, tell them we've got a beautiful gift to give you. Just as one of our ways of saying thank you for coming. And we hope you come back, you know. And then uh, don't forget, next week we are going to take an offering for our church and, and those, you know, uh, hundreds of children in Ethiopia who are going through a pretty traumatic time right now. That's, that's for next week. And then, uh, what was it? Anything else I'm supposed to do? Would you greet one another on the way out? High five, handshake, hug somebody. God bless you. You are dismissed.